You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Embrace, Part 3 of 3. Enjoy. Highway Church, and the title of our series is Embrace. And that comes to us from Mark chapter 11, verse 22 in the message translation. And Jesus is talking. The message says, Jesus was matter of fact. He looks at his disciples who are amazed at him, and he says, embrace this God life. He invites them to live life the way he's been living. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the invitation that you gave us to enter into life as you live it. We thank you, Father, for life in you, that you loved us first, that you lavished your love upon us through Jesus Christ, and we know, as it says in your word, that because you gave Jesus, you'll gladly give us everything else. So, Father, we embrace who you are this morning. We wrap our hearts around you. We hold on to you, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to open the eyes of our heart even wider, that we would know the amazing love that you have for us, and that we would go forward into this week walking with you, working with you, watching how you do it, living our lives in the unforced rhythms of your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is part three of our series, and it's a three-part series, so we're going to conclude today, okay? So Jesus, unlike um, what I kind of heard growing up, Jesus, we find when we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and even Acts, we find that Jesus was not a standoffish kind of, of God. He was not someone who came to be an icon or to be put on a shelf to be worshipped, he came to earth as a man to demonstrate to us what it was like to know God as Father. And he didn't distance himself from us. He invited us to come close. And we see that in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. He says, embrace this God life. He invites you and me to enter in to this relationship with God as Father. Embrace. And we we find that although Jesus came to earth as a man, he lived a superman life. Now, understanding that as Christians, we believe in one God who's eternally existent in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They have no beginning, and they have no end. They are, they, they are God. He is I am. So God the Son has always been, but there was a point in time in human history when God the Father sent God the Son to earth as a man. Let's take a look at that in the Scriptures. Very important to understand this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. And you can follow along on the screen if you like. And it's speaking of Jesus, the Son of God. It says, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of, what's it say? Men, yeah, men. And being found in appearance as a man. That changed everything when I learned that. He was all God, but he was all man. 
In other words, Jesus was born in the same way that you and I are born again, through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. What do I mean? Good question. God sent His Word to Mary. Mary was a young lady, a virgin, about to be married, but had never been with a man. And the archangel Gabriel brought the word of God the Father to her and says, you are going to bear a child. His name shall be Jesus, and he shall be the Son of God. Mary, having never been with a man, said, how can this be? He said, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And what did she do? She said, be it done to me, or, or be it done to me according to your word. In other words, I, I hear your word, Lord, and I receive your word in my heart. Let it be so in my life. And in that same way, if you've heard the good news about Jesus Christ and God's love for you, somewhere along the line, if you're born again, someone told you about Jesus, and you heard that God loves you and that he sent his son for you, and that through faith in Christ you can be forgiven, when we hear that word and we receive it, we also, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, gives, brings that word to life inside of us, and we are born again. So it's important to understand that Jesus was born for two reasons. Reason number one, Jesus was born as our substitute. Very important to understand that. I would say the body of Christ understands this more than the second reason. We'll get to the second reason in a moment. But Jesus was born as our substitute. In other words, he was the one and only Lamb of God. He was the one who was to take the sins of the world, yours and mine, upon himself on the cross. That was what he, one of the reasons he was born. So that when Jesus was arrested and persecuted for righteousness' sake, when he was being tortured and scourged, and when he was nailed to that cross, and when he died, it declares in the Scriptures that God made him sin on that cross, that he became your sin and he became my sin. And that at that moment in time, he became the propitiation, big word, the payment for our sins. Okay? So Jesus was born for two reasons. One, as a substitute for our sins. In other words, because of our sins, we deserved to die. We deserve to be separated from God. We deserve the curse of sin. But even though we deserve that, Jesus came and took our place. And because of him and our faith in him, we no longer deserve that. So when God looks at you, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he sees a clean child that belongs to him. He sees you as his own. He doesn't see you as a sinner anymore. He sees you as a born-again new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, the second reason that Jesus was born was as our example. So he was born as our substitute, but he was also born as our example. So he came to earth as a man, not only to take our place on the cross because man fell, but also to demonstrate to us how to live on this earth as a human being. Okay? So when you're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and remember our goal at Highway Church is to lead you in relationship with Jesus Christ? Look, look at the life of Jesus through, through, through those two things as a substitute and as, a, as an example. There are things that he went through on our behalf, things that he bore for us that we're not to bear. 
like the punishment of our sins, the curse of sin, sickness, disease, poverty, condemnation. Those things he took upon himself. But there are things that he did as our example. He spoke to storms and they stopped. He had this relationship with God as his father and he knew no matter what was going on around him, he would fulfill his destiny. That the circumstances of the earth were not greater than God's love for him and that he would overcome anything that came against him. He rebuked demons and they left. He opened blind eyes. He made lame walk and blind see and deaf hear. When they had a need for finances, he told one of his disciples to go get a fish and in that fish's mouth, right, throw your pole in the water, pull out a fish, and there's your financial provision for you and for me. When they needed food to feed thousands of people, they took a a few loaves and a couple pieces of fish, a couple fish, and, and he multiplied those so that thousands of people had more than enough. So we see this man, Jesus, lived a superman life, and he invites you and me to do the same thing, to live this superman life, to look to God as our Father, to look to God to overcome the situations and circumstances in this world, okay? So we see that Jesus, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, made this relationship possible. And it says, speaking of those who believed on the name of Jesus, that you have uh, not received a spirit of, what's it say? Slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption. One translation says, in the bliss of, we cry, Abba, Father. Abba Father. So Jesus has made this Abba Father relationship a reality for us. And and we talked about this, this name for God, this Abba Father name. It describes this relationship with God that Jesus wants us to have. Abba is a word, we don't use it in our culture, but it's a word in the Eastern culture that was used by little ones like daddy or dada. And it demonstrates the unreasoning trust and love of a little one. A little one doesn't understand why that man is their daddy. They don't understand anatomy and biology. They just know that's my daddy. They don't understand how daddy provides for them. That's my daddy. Well, as Christians, we've come to know God as our daddy through Jesus Christ. It's an unreasoning trust. In fact, Jesus said he taught us that we must become like little ones. If we're to experience this kingdom, if we're to experience God, what did he mean by that? Well, obviously, we can't turn back the clock and become five years old again. He's talking about the attitude of our heart. If God said it, that's enough for us. Just that daddy says so, that's all I need to know. I don't understand how daddy does it. I don't understand how daddy has always been. He has no beginning and no end. I don't understand how daddy provides life from my body. There's no batteries in me. I don't have to recharge or plug into a wall socket. I don't understand how the spirit of God gives my life, gives life to my body. But daddy says so. And and we're living in a culture where there are pockets of society that have exalted the human intellect. And you've got to understand, there are a lot of things about daddy that don't make sense to the human intellect. 
There are a lot of things in the Bible that don't make sense to the human intellect. It doesn't make any sense how three young men in the book of Daniel can stand up for their faith and worship the living God and the king decide to, to, to execute them and throw them into a furnace of fire. And how these three young men in the face of death say, we will not deny our God. They're thrown into the furnace and they stand there as if they're standing on the seashore. This, the, the fire doesn't burn them. They come out of the furnace, not only unburned, their clothes fully intact, but they don't even smell of smoke. That doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't make sense how a prophet named Daniel, who had that same commitment to God, was persecuted by the king and thrown into a pit of lions. And instead of becoming a meal for them, he used them as pillow pets. It doesn't make sense to the natural mind. See? But that's our daddy. So we, we just know if God said it, that it's so. And we learn from the scriptures that we were never meant to live life by our natural intellect. In fact, Jesus said it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are intellect. No. The words that I speak to you are spirit and are life. Trying to fulfill your destiny by living with your intellect is like trying to cross the ocean in a bathtub. You're not going to get there. Why? Because the bathtub wasn't made for that. The bathtub was made to be put in your house. And yeah, it can hold water. You can put water in it. But if you take that bathtub and set it in the ocean and push that, it, it's not going to make it, right? It's not seaworthy. Our mind was not made to be the vehicle we live by. It can receive the word to a measure. It can receive information, but it's in our spirit where that word is born, where strength comes from, where revelation of God comes from. There are things you can know in a moment in your heart that you'll never be able to figure out in your mind. Okay? So that's Abba, Father. Did you know that Christians are supernatural? You might not believe me. Let's look at John chapter 14, verse 12. This is Superman talking. Jesus himself. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So not only do we have this Abba relationship with God, but now we're reading the scriptures, we're knowing him as Father. Father is a word, unlike the, the Abba from a little one, Father is a word that demonstrates an intelligent understanding of our relationship, the, the, the relationship of a mature one. As, as a child grows and matures, they begin to understand why that man is their father, how that man provides for them, right? Well, as we study the scriptures, we begin to understand why God is our father, that he sent his word, and we receive that word by faith, and we're born of that incorruptible, everlasting seed of God, word of God. So that's, that's Abba Father. We're knowing God as Abba Father. And let's bring this, uh, this series to a close, Embrace Part 3.
Jesus says, embrace this God life. Really embrace it. And nothing will be too much for you. Put that with John 14, 12. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Do you know you might get thrown out in some churches for reading that scripture? It ought not to be that these, these things that Jesus said are foreign to us. They should be a regular part of our, of our op- method of operation. They should be a regular part of our thinking. Jesus' words were meant to be alive in our daily lives. They're meant to be the framework and foundation for how we live and how we operate. They were never meant to be something rare and unique that you don't hear very often and that, that are not embraced or on a shelf somewhere. So we embrace the words of Jesus. We embrace this God life, and we find that faith in God's word brings us into this God life. It brings us forward in him. All of life boils down to words. You can't have a marriage without words, right? You can't have, you can't have a, a job without words. You can't have a Dunkin' Donuts without words. Do you know that? They have to have articles of incorporation. There have to be words, the right words in place before they can ever open their doors. You can't, you can't take a vacation without words. You can't travel without words. You can't play a game without words. Can you imagine uh, trying to play football without rules? Can't do it. It makes no sense. Life makes no sense without words. So what makes sense to us all depends on whose words we consider. Right? So someone can hear something that we believe and that we say, and it would make no sense to them, but it makes sense to us because we consider the words of Jesus. And whose words you esteem demonstrate who's important to you. Right? So the President of the United States could tell me something. The Queen of England can tell me something. But if my wife tells me something, it outweighs them both. Why? Because I esteem her more than them. Because she's my wife. I love her more than any other human being on earth. So when you love somebody, you esteem their words. You look forward to hearing their words. You'll go out of their way to hear their words. My wife and I, uh, probably for about two years prior to our wedding, were in different parts of the country and different parts of the world. And this is back in the early 90s, really when mobile phones weren't a thing at all. And I was in Europe. She was in Florida. I would call her. Uh, let's see, how much did it cost for a minute back then? I, we had one, I had one phone call. It was like 180 bucks for one phone call. You know, I didn't care, right? Because you want to hear those words of the one you love. Well, m- all the more so for Jesus. We love him. So we go out of our way. We don't care how far we have to drive. We want to hear his words, right? And we, that's, that's, one of the, that's what corporate worship should be a vehicle for, where you come and hear the words of Christ, not the ideology of man's religious thinking, but the life and power, the strength of the living word of God. That's what Highway Church, that's why we're here. 
we want to give you just the words of Jesus. We're not going to add anything to them or take anything away from them because that's where the life is. So we esteem the words of Jesus, and the greater love that we have for him, the more significant his words are to us, all right? So Jesus... Uh, demonstrates this to us. We see people uh, insulting him because he took God at his word. We see people shunning him, leaving him, persecuting him just because he believed what God said about him. And in this world, we're going to experience some of that. There's no way around that. People are going to make fun of you. That not everybody, but there are people who are going to think you're crazy. There are people who are going to leave your circle right? Turn and walk away and no longer be your friends if you choose to esteem the words of Christ. But that's all right. The friends God brings into your life will be infinitely better because you want your relationships built on Him. Those are the true friendships that, that enable us to grow. So faith in God's Word, it gives us, it moves us forward in this God life and it gives us understanding to live this God life. It helps us live on a daily basis. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We need understanding. And we need understanding in our hearts primarily, and we use our mind to process information. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, very important part of Scripture. It says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I like that. How can you be sure and certain of what you do not see? By taking God at his word. Verse 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. They took God at his word. Look at verse 3. By faith, by faith in God, right, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So faith in God's word gives us an understanding that we could not have in any other way. Faith in God's word enables us to see things that we could not see apart from his word. How huge is that? So understand that in your daily life, you're going to need to see things that can't be seen with the natural eyes. Because our life was never meant to be a natural life. It was meant to be a supernatural life. We were never meant to be limited to to the confines of this natural realm. Everything that we see, everything in this natural realm came from the supernatural realm, came from the spirit realm. There are things that you need in your life that are supernatural. And this is not hocus pocus and superstition. This is who God is. This is Jesus revealed. Embrace this God life. So we embrace this God life and we realize that yes, there are people who are trying to understand life with their intellect. And they will tell you that you are unsophisticated, that you are uneducated, that you are ignorant for believing God's Word. That's just because they don't understand, right? So we don't get mad at them. We don't argue or fight, right? But we certainly don't let their opinion move us from God's promises. We certainly don't let the opinions of man change what we believe. Because we esteem God higher than that. 
And you know, speaking of education, that's, it's an interesting word. If you look up the, you study the word education from its Latin roots, educare, it means to, to draw out, to lead forward, to develop the potential of. Nothing will lead you forward. Nothing will draw out your true potential. Nothing will develop you more than taking God at His Word. When you take God at His Word, when you put your faith in His promises, it unlocks the real you. Because who you are meant to be is really found in Him. You're not going to become the person you were made to be, destiny. You're not going to fulfill your destiny unless you believe in the Word of God, see? So when you receive the Word of God, it unlocks the real you. It unlocks the fullness of your potential. When, when, whosever words you look to determine the limits of who you are. So if I look to the opinions of man for how I'm going to live my life, then I've just set my limits on man's ability, man's intellect. But if I look to the words of the Father, now I'm looking to the limitless one. Right? And now I know that the limits of my life have just changed and just disappeared. That God can do all things. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right? He expands and increases us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So faith in God's word, it gives us this insight, this understanding of how to live in a different way. Of how to live a supernatural life. How to overcome things in this physical realm. And it reveals the Word of God. Faith in the Word of God not only gives us His understanding, but it reveals who God really is. It reveals what He's done for us. And it reveals who we are in Him. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, we're just reading the Bible. And when we put our faith in it, everything changes. And it's okay if people may criticize us for it. We love them. God loves them. We're not mad about that. We'll just keep on going. We'll love them and we'll keep on believing. We'll keep letting God increase and expand us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Now, remember we read, when we read the Word, when we put our faith in the Word, we see who God is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Him. Here we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a... New creation, who we are. We just learned who we are, right? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, what he's done for us, right? Now, when did he do? Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, what he's done for us, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, what he's done for us. That, that is, that God was in Christ, who God is, Right? God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Who we are? We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading, preaching, imploring through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the what? Who we are. Do you think of yourself as the righteousness of God? Depends on who you're listening to. 
guarantee you at some point in, in your week, the enemy is going to come to you and try and condemn you about something. Try and get you to see yourself as less than what God sees you. But the Bible, the Scriptures declare, and we put our faith in this word, that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be our sin, so that in Jesus we become the what? Righteousness of God. I want to encourage you to begin to see yourself in that way. There's nothing haughty about that. There's nothing arrogant about that. That's just the simple truth about what God has done. He's completely redeemed us. He's completely washed us clean. I mean, if he just did 80% of it, I guess that'd be fine, but he didn't. He, he did it all. It's a full redemption, 100%, fully guaranteed, fully redeemed. So now when you're going through your week, and if, if you find yourself in a situation where you need something from God, nothing should keep you from coming to him. You say, well, I don't know if I can come again. I just, I just did that wrong. I should have done better. I should have done this. I'll come to God after I do a few more things right. Or I'll come to God after I fix what I just did. No, come to Him now. Amen. You can come to God anytime, any day, anywhere, for any reason. He's your Abba Father. Amen. In fact, Hebrews encourages us that in our time of need to come boldly before His throne of grace so that we can receive what we need. Right? So we got to cultivate that understanding that, that God, there's no distance between us and God anymore. That we're just as much his sons and daughters as Jesus is. And that when he looks at us, he sees us clean, free from sin. His very own. All right? So we find where the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, let's look at just a few more of these. We find, are you ready for this one? That we're seated with Christ. You could get thrown out of some churches for saying this stuff. But let's look in the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 2. We're just looking at the Bible. It's just that simple. We just read the Bible and we believe it. And everything changes. Don't let Satan make your life complicated. Don't let him do it. Just keep it simple. So Ephesians chapter 2. God said, that's enough for us. Verse 4. But because of his great love for us. So it's not based on our performance, is it? It's based on what? His great love for who? For you? Are you sure? How many mistakes have you made this week? He still loves you? Like how, how much? Is it, is it proportionate to the amount of errors? Right? So 73 errors equals about 43% of his love. Right? Is there an app for that? No. Right? He loves you with all of his heart all the time. So it's his great love for us that's our focus, not our performance. God, who is what? Rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions. You didn't know you were dead before Jesus, but we were. It is by your performance that you have been saved. No. It is by grace. God's unmerited favor, God's power, God's riches. You have been saved. And God, look at this, raised us up with Christ and seated us 
with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Why? In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So God's so good. He's not looking to put us down. He's looking to lift us up. He's raised us up with Christ. That puts us equal with Jesus. Doesn't it? Am I making that up? Am I trying to start a cult here or something? No. He's made us equal with Jesus. Do you think of yourself in that way? All too often, when we're going through our week, we don't. And we're, there's a, we, 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 we sometimes feel there's a distance between us. He's strong in us. We're made one with him. He's made us equal with Christ. We're seated, and it says in Ephesians also, we didn't read it, but it says far above all principality and power and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. The devil's beneath our feet. Poverty, lack, confusion, condemnation, sickness, disease, Everything that came with the curse of sin is under our feet. Look, let's look at 1 John chapter 2. Excuse me, for chapter 3. We're seated with Christ. He's made us equal with Christ. 1 John chapter 3. How, verse 1, how great is the love. Now, why is the Bible always talking about God's love? Isn't there more to it than that? No. That's all you need to think about is his love for you. But what about, you know, getting ahead in this life and making sure that I did this right? God will take care of that. Your, our, our responsibility is to embrace him, to receive his love for us. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Is that a drip drop? No, that's a waterfall. Live your life under the waterfall of his amazing love for you. And anytime condemnation comes your way, just imagine yourself standing under the waterfall of his grace, the waterfall of his love for you, just washing you clean. It says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all sin. So I don't have to get down on my knees every time I make mistakes. Oh, God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. No, I just keep walking with him. His blood cleanses me. It's a perfect cleansing. It's an ongoing cleansing. He understands that I have shortcomings. He understands that I have faults and make mistakes. And he doesn't quickly, oh, your forgiveness is taken away. You made one. No, it's an ongoing cleansing. So I'm free now to live my life, to go forward with a mind clear, right? clear of condemnation and free to embrace his love for me. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us. Look, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it did not know him. All right, let's look at one more. We've become uh, his children. We've become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're seated with Christ, and we're joint 
heirs with Christ. You may not believe me. Let's look at Romans. We're just reading the Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. We're just keeping it simple. Taking God at his word. It says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Isn't that amazing? And if children, if this is real, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Now, when does an heir receive their inheritance? When the person dies, right? When did Jesus die? It's been a while, hasn't it? A couple thousand years ago, right? He died on the cross. If he didn't die on the cross, we have no hope, right? He was separated from his father. That's why I looked to his father and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was made sin on the cross. God the Father for the first and only time in all of eternity had to turn his back on his son. He was made sin and he died. They even checked to make sure he was dead, right? And, and punctured his side with a spear. And they buried him. But on the third day, he rose again. But an inheritance is received when that person dies. We are heirs of God. Joint heirs with Christ. When is the, has our inheritance been given? Yes. We have received our inheritance. And much of the Christian life is simply realizing what God has done for us through Christ. That we have become the righteousness of God. That we have become His children. That we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That we are joint heirs. That every need we could ever imagine is met exceedingly through Him. Embrace this God life so we live very differently. You're supermen and superwomen. You have a supernatural father and his supernatural life is inside of you, giving supernatural strength to your body. So someone else could have gone through something, but if you go through it, it's going to be different. Right? The, the scriptures declare that those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High, that a, a, that a thousand may fall at their side and ten thousand at their right hand, but it shall not come nigh them. Why? Because our God, God is our supernatural Father. He's a supernatural shield about us. In Psalm 121, he says, The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord, Jehovah, the one and only, will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord, Jehovah, the one and only, will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So we grab a hold of these promises. We wrap our arms around them. We put them in our heart and we say, be it done to us according to your word. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge. You're my high tower. You're my fortress. You're my stronghold. You're my peace. You're the strength of my life. You're my joy. You're my provision. You're my 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 soundness of mind. You're my future. You're my destiny. I love that name, destiny. Yeah. See? And we begin living a whole different way of life, a whole different kind of a life. It's a God life. And as we do this, as we embrace the Word of God, then we begin to live this supernatural life. And what happens? God is revealed. 
to the people around us, to the world around us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We worship you, and we just shake off religion. We just shake it off. We refuse to live a religious life. We want to we just know you. We want to experience your amazing love. We want to walk with you, not with man's religion. We want to walk in relationship with you when we're uh, at the store and at the gym and hanging out with friends and whatever we're doing. We want to experience your amazing love for us. So we shake off religion. We shake off that wrong thinking. And we embrace this God life. We embrace every promise from Genesis to Revelation, knowing that in Christ, every one of them is a man in our lives. At Highway Church, we encourage you to embrace this God life. Embrace God as your Father through faith in Jesus Christ. As you embrace His promises, who He is is revealed in you and to the world around you. How great is His love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.